What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is April 28th, Saturday. I am doing this a couple of days late. I just got back from California. I was still on West Coast time. I'm exhausted. I got a lot of shit going on, and uh, I did not have uh, time to get it done on Thursday. But what I did try to do, just so you guys know, so you know I'm looking out for you, I'm not trying to half-ass shit. I tried to do it on a Friday. Okay, I got back late at night on Thursday. Uh, flew in from LAX to JFK late Thursday. So, uh, I'm sorry, late Wednesday. So Thursday, I had a big audition. I had to take care of that. Did not have time for this. And I was going to do it on Friday, which would only be a day late. Because as you guys know, I've been doing this uh, pretty steadily now the past few weeks on Thursdays. And Fridays, I just was still run down, jet lag, tired, and I did not want to half-ass it. So uh, I stopped recording that, and I decided to do it tonight, which is Saturday night. I am off stage, uh, 10 o'clock Saturday night, which is prime time for a comedian. So I'm up, I'm alert, I'm here for you, and uh, it's going to be a great show. Got a lot of stuff to cover. want to talk about uh, the trip to Los Angeles, uh, shooting the movie out there, doing some shows out there. So a lot of cool stuff. Uh, definitely want to get into that. Checked out uh, the Laker-Oklahoma City game where Ron Artest basically assaulted uh, Harden on that play. Almost knocked him out cold. I was at that game, double overtime. We had great seats. I want to talk about that. Um, just talk about all the stuff that happened in California. We'll get into some sports. We'll do some, you know, talk about some upcoming shows and uh, talk about the project. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about is um, the movie that we, you know, that we're shooting. Uh, myself and uh, a bunch of other people actually are shooting this movie, and I'm one of the main characters uh, in this documentary because it's regarding um, up-and-coming comedians who are trying to, you know, just really, really, you know, take comedy to a to a, a very, very high level, you know, and, and really get their career to uh, to to the top while also having, you know, little kids, children, families. And that's what the documentary is about. And um, the first stop uh, in California, we were uh, shooting with uh, Kelly Carlin. Kelly Carlin is the daughter of legendary comedian George Carlin. And um, what can I say? She gave absolute gold to the project. She just was above and beyond saying things for this project that was unbelievable, really hit home. Um, some of the stories were just unreal. Um, so this, this, uh, movie that's, that's being shot right now is going to be something really different and really amazing. And, uh, thank you, Kelly Carlin for being, for being a part of it. It was unreal. Um, and also I want to shout out, uh, uh, Thomas Lewis, who, uh, Thomas is, uh, shooting the movie. He's been a partner with the movie. He's, um, treating it like it's his own he's writing you know he's writing things for it he's he's shooting for it thomas is also an up-and-coming comedian he believes in the project and he's been an absolute pleasure unbelievable to work with so shout out to you thomas if you're listening to this but um the kelly carlin was visit was amazing we actually landed um and met each other at the airport got into a car um and we had to head over right to uh, kelly's house and, and it was amazing she was it was great so um, I can't give too much away about the movie, but I could tell you guys it's going to be fucking awesome, and it's going to give a totally different, 
different thing without giving too much it's, it's going to be awesome so um wait because the footage that we're getting is is uh the more and more shit that i see with this i'm realizing oh man like this is really fucking happening and it's going to be great so that was so uh after the long flight we did that and we got something to eat and then um i had a show i was booked at downtown comedy club in um downtown los angeles okay and it was cool going there. We were driving through downtown. I saw all these unbelievable scenes of movies. Some of my favorite movies. The movie Heat where the, the bank uh, scene with that insane gunfight which was in the middle of the street. Um, we were around there. Um, I was pointed out all these different... Uh, Thomas was actually pointing out all these different other movies that I haven't seen but showing me certain buildings. And, you know, oh, Harrison Ford was standing right there and like just all this cool shit down there. And um, it was really cool. I'm not a big California guy. I mean, um, as my career, you know, grows and, you know, as I grow as a performer, I go out there more and more and I could feel that I'm starting to go out to Los Angeles more and more. But I like it in doses because I'm a New York guy. You know, I'm a New Yorker. I love, you know, I travel all over the country. I think New York is the best. The, the Northeast, I love. Um, and I've been to many great cities, okay, in America. Some of the t top best cities in America, and they're great people all over this country, but there's just something about New York or the East Coast that I love, um, but again, you know, I'll go out there, I'll go out west, I'll eat the fucking burritos, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll work the clubs, I meet nice people, I love it all, but, uh, you know, after a while, you like to come back, but I was really, like, I was there, I was doing shit there, and I wanted to take it in, so one thing that was cool was the Downtown Comedy Club is owned by, um, legendary comedian Garrett Morris. Garrett Morris was the uh, first, one of the first original cast members. He's actually the original cast of Saturday Night Live. Um, and he was on the show Martin. He just did some show, uh, some some work with uh, Two Broke Girls, this new show that's on. He's just been on a ton of TV. He's been on a ton of shows. And it's his club. And I'm working it. And it was just really cool to, to go down there. And we get to this place. And downtown is kind of cool until... I get to this fucking street that had the fucking, it was the closest thing to a zombie movie. I'm not even exaggerating. The neighborhood was fucking terrible. It was terrible. The neighborhood was so bad, and I'm not making this up. When we parked the car, we literally asked the cop, is the car okay here? And his answer was, what time is it? That's how that was his fucking measure of if we were okay. I mean crackheads, toothless, homeless people in fucking wheelchairs. Every other person had a wheelchair. Every other person was begging for money, but like more than I've seen in other cities was fucking unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So we get there and Garrett Morris is standing outside his club on this shitty road, and I'm like, oh well the inside must be nice. I go to the inside of this club, and it is an absolute fucking nightmare. It was like just chairs. It looked like some kind of fucking post-apocalyptic room. Like explosions went off. But then like whatever was left over, they just threw black chairs in and a stage. I mean, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But there was literally a hole in the fucking ceiling. It, was, it wasn't good. I can promise you it wasn't good. So I'm waiting to go on. And he was really nice. He's like, oh, yeah, you're Paul Verzi, the guy from New York. Yeah, oh, you know, really nice. Yeah, you know, I, I'll host. I start hosting at 9 o'clock. And he was the host of the show. And I'll, I'll put you up and everything. And uh, my manager has got me the got me the date. 
So, you know, it was just to basically get some stage time, work on some stuff while I was out in California. It was already a long day. I had been on an airplane for almost six fucking hours. I was shooting a movie during the day, got something to eat, just jet lagged, everything tired. But I figured, what the hell, you know, it's my first night here. I'll go to downtown and I'll get a show in under my belt. You know, this way I, you know, I get some work done. And in the front row was like 14 Mormons. (laughs) It was like this ghetto fucking dungeon. That this legendary comedian is hanging out at. Like it was unbelievable that he was just hanging there. And the funny thing is before I went on stage, they're like, hey, I just want to let you know we're moving locations. Like they knew how fucking bad it was because it was bad. It wasn't, this was, it was not good. Like like crackheads looking in the window and shit with their head back and forth. It was like a, like a little kid looking in a fish tank, just banging on the glass, scaring the shit out of the fish. That's what, (laughs) that's what this was. It was insane. So I'm waiting back there to go on. And uh, Garrett Morris, you know, he brought me up and he wanted to know how to bring me up and stuff. So when he heard that I did Carnegie Hall, you know, he heard that I did Carnegie Hall. He heard that I was on Fox or whatever. So he brings me up and it was kind of cool. He was just like, you know, me and this uh, next young man coming to the stage have something in common. And he was like, uh, he performed at Carnegie Hall. And back in the days of Saturday Night Live, I too was at Carnegie Hall. And then he was like, you know, he performed on Fox, I performed on Fox. And then, you know, he brings me up, and it was nice, and I, I, I get on stage, right? I get on stage, and the first thing I say when I get on stage is, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Garrett Morris, the legendary Garrett Morris, it's an honor to be here, it's an honor to work with you. Um, you know, I grew up, and my parents had you on Saturday Night Live on the TV, you know, in, in, the, in the room. I remember seeing you as a little kid and everything, and I go, all right, now that that's said, who the fuck chose this comedy club? And I said, apparently you guys forgot about location, 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 right? And I just start shitting on this comedy club hard. I'm like, man, this is the most ghetto shit I have ever fucking been. Are you guys serious? I was like, I thought you guys would be doing better than this. And I just start shitting. And part of me is like, man... I'm either going to, you know, I was definitely joking, but it needed to be said. Like, not saying it would be me not doing my job as a professional fucking comedian. It just, it had to be done. And here this fucking guy who's been in the comedy world for fucking 40 years, whatever, is sitting in like the third row watching me, and he's just laughing his fucking ass off. He's laughing, and he's really dark, dark black, so like, and the room was dark, so I just kind of look, and I see him, and I'm like, is he laughing, and I look, and, and I see him, and he's definitely laughing, I saw his fucking, you know, his big smile and shit, and, and I was like, there's a hole in the fucking ceiling, I was like, and I even said the story about the cops said, yeah, what time is it, as far as your car being all right, and I just start killing, and I even had all the Mormons laughing, I just, for like three minutes, I shit on the room, And he loved it. And then I was like, all right, let me get into some material here. And I did the material and everything was great. It was a great time. The place was not that packed, um, but it was a small place. So the amount of people that was in there, you know, made it feel good. Um, And even though it was a shithole of a room, it was really cool to work there, especially the first night that I landed um, and to meet him. And he said, oh, great job. And he gave me a hug and he was like, man, great set, really great set. You know, you want to come back tomorrow? And he invited us the next night. Um, but we did not go back the next night because, uh, after that, um, so we finally crashed that night. We just passed out. We went to my buddy Sean's in Pasadena and we passed out after a long day. 
I put my head down. It was one of those things where I did so much that day with the flying and the shooting of the movie and then performing downtown. And like I just got and I just passed the fuck out. Um, so the next night, uh, Bill Burr, my buddy Bill Burr, who's out there, um, and, and I'll get into that. I did Bill's podcast this week. I'll talk about that in a second. But Bill says, yeah, you know, uh, you guys should come down to the uh, 40th anniversary of the comedy store. And the comedy store, for you guys that don't know, is is literally like one of the most, if not the most legendary comedy club. Like everybody started there. Um, and the boom of the comedy boom in the 80s, people would just pack up, leave, go to California and work the comedy store. And the owner of the comedy store is Paulie Shore's mother, Mitzi Shore who's not in the greatest, you know, of shape right now. Her health has obviously taken a turn. Uh, She's older and everything. But it was the 40th anniversary, and on the anniversaries of the Comedy Store, all, like, the legends come out. You never know who's going to show up. Uh, Louis Anderson showed up. That was really cool. Um, Gary Shandling. Tony Clifton, who was the alter ego of Andy Kaufman. Um, So the guy who, who was Andy Kaufman's friend in the movie who's still doing Tony Clifton, he came out and did a hilarious thing. Um... You know, and it was just really cool to see the names, you know, but I, I was really taken back by this. I really was um, amazed, to be honest, at the fucking history of this room. And, like, people were walking around with drinks and celebrating, and I was too. But I was like a little kid, man. Like, I was inside, and I was just staring at the headshots on the wall and the names on the wall and just thinking, man, if I lived out here, I would do everything in my power. If I was a West Coast guy, you do everything in your power to be at the comedy store because that's where everybody's at. That's where the legends are at. And that's where the up-and-coming comedians, like, the same way all the clubs that I'm doing in New York. But the comedy store just, like, was a celebration of comedy. It was a real different feeling than any other comedy club. There's like three comedy rooms. They were all packed. And like all the other comedians are just waiting in the back for their for their turn to go on or just watch. And it was like a celebration of comedy. It felt like a comedy festival, but all in one, just one night. It was really unfucking real. And I was I'm so still, even though I'm doing this for so long and, and my career is, is moving and stuff, I just I was it made me fucking hungrier. Than, than I already am, if that's possible, I was just like, man, like, I gotta, I almost was thinking about, like, flying back and forth to do shows there, just so I get my name on the wall to be a part of that alumni, because it, it felt like that, it was unbelievable, and then I kept popping in the big room, and all these big names from each generation were coming up, um, I was hoping that Jim Carrey was gonna pop on there, there were rumors that, like, you know, guys like that show up, and, you know, when I saw Tony Clifton and, and stuff, and he was singing Man on the Moon from, um, you know, REM and, and from the movie, obviously. So I'm like, man, if, if, you know, Jim Carrey popped in here, that would be awesome. Un- unfortunately he didn't, but just so many other, you know, uh, big names. I mean, it, w- it was just really fucking awesome. So that, that, that's, that's what we did on, on Saturday night, just watched shows, man. And, and it was, it was so cool. Um, then we had to leave cause then it started to get crazy. Then like once all the shows were over and everybody was standing around with drinks, people just started getting fucked up. Like, you know, it's the end of the night when somebody just takes a header and blood starts coming from their head and they get up and they act like everything's okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, blood is, fu- this one guy just took a fucking face plant just right outside uh, on the concrete and blood just started spewing out of his head. He's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. And just kept drinking. Meanwhile, he should be like in intensive care. Uh, it was hilarious. So we leave. We leave the uh, the comedy store, which was Saturday night. And uh, California is crazy, man, because when you're out there, you just see, especially like when you're in the scene of like the show business shit, like you just see everybody. So I walked out and I was literally 
we, we there's a place next to the comedy store called the, the Saddle Ranch, which is like a famous touristy place where people go and they ride the mechanical bull and all that stuff. And, you know, just to say you did it, take fucking pictures, eat a shitty burger. Like, it's one of those places. And I'm standing outside there after we left. And I look over and I'm standing next to uh, the chick from Saturday Night Live, uh, Nassim Pagrad, the chick who does uh, Kim Kardashian impression. Standing next to her. And and they're like a foot away from me. And she's she's with uh, she's with January Jones, the uh, the blonde girl from, from Mad Men. And now here's the thing. I know... Nassim Pegrad's boyfriend Colin who's a writer for Saturday Night Live because I, he does stand up I've done stand up with him in New York City and also he's a writer for Seth Meyers for uh, SNL and he also wrote for the ESPY Awards for Seth Meyers which I wrote too and so I was going to say something to to her like hey man tell Colin I said what's up or you know what's going on I'm, I'm friends with Colin you know just to kind of talk and network like that but I couldn't and, and you know, and I don't want to fucking put this on Facebook. I don't want to put this on Twitter because it's not cool. I, I could have easily taken a picture or did that, but you know, you don't you don't do that shit. I didn't want to do that. But January Jones was fucked up. I'll give I'll give the Verzi effect listeners here a little inside scoop. You know, she was fucked up, man. She was like dropping her cigarettes, swaying back and forth. And the chick with her from SNL was like, "No, no, you know, we're gonna hang out. But I'll drive. But are you all right?" And 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 January Jones was fucking. It was bad. Like she was in bad shape. So. The people I'm with, and, and I, I too, I was like, man, I'm not going to go over and say something, even though, you know, I'm cool with her boyfriend. She She's dealing with her own shit. So she was just helping her. So we kind of just went to the car and walked away. But, like, that's the shit. When you're out in California, you know, that's what you you see all the time. Um, you know, people people in the business, celebrities and stuff, and you see them, and they just go out and they get fucked up too. Um, so <laughs> it was just like... I don't know, man. It was it, It's one of those things where it's cool, but there, there's just like a fakeness to being out there too that I – like it's cool and you have a good time, but then at the same time you're just like, man, this is like – I don't know. Everybody out there is trying to do – you know, everybody out there is trying to do stand-up, and that's why I think stand-up in the East Coast they say is stronger, which it is because actors on the West Coast do stand-up. Models do stand-up. It's not pure trying to get great at stand-up. You know, East Coast, I think, is better for just trying to become a great stand-up comedian. Um, so, you know, and, and that's why, I, and you could kind of feel that. And, and one thing I feel, you know, from, from being an East Coast uh, guy, when I perform out West, I can tell when they're looking at me on stage, they're like looking at like, wow, man, this dude's saying something. Like you can feel that they feel it's m- more real and different than what they've, they're used to. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some great comedians out there. There's some monsters out there. But I, I don't think, like, in all in all, I don't think it's as strong. So uh, so uh, that's uh, that's what that's what I did out there. And then Sunday, we got tickets um, to uh, – I went to the Lakers, Lakers-Oklahoma City game. And for some reason, I thought the Lakers were playing the Hornets. So I wasn't that excited. And then all of a sudden, I got the ticket – and I see OKC, and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be an unbelievable game. Seats were incredible. We were like center court, maybe 20 rows back. Like Jack Nicholson was literally like 20 yards to my left, like right like right there. And, um, you know, it was just – but but I just, I just love, you know, I love watching basketball. I play basketball on Monday nights. By the way, killed it Monday night or last Monday night, the Monday night before, on fire – Dropping threes, yes, I'm going to brag about it. 
Okay, my jump shot is more money than it's ever been, and I'm five eight people, and I'll take it to the rack too. Um, sorry, I just had to drop a little shit talking in there. It's my competitive nature, guys. Anyway, so we're watching this unbelievable game. Yes, it's the game Ron Artest. Ron Artest, I figured Ron Artest out, and I'm not going to call him that meta stupid shit. I'm not, I refused, I can't even believe that they do it on the, on the, that guy making up named meta world peace. The word peace and Ron Artest should not be associated with each other whatsoever. Um, but that, and you know what was bullshit about that hit live at the Staples Center when we were there? They didn't even show the replay on the fucking screen because they knew. They weren't going to show that replay for the home crowd. That was a fucking mug. That was an assault on Harden. That's what that was. He assaulted him. It was just, it was, it was so blatant and just such a hard hit. From, from where I saw it, I, I thought he was out cold for a second. I really did. I was like, this dude is out cold right now. Like, this dude is in really bad shape. And then finally he got up and he was out of the game. Of course it was a flagrant too. The stupid crowd in LA is booing. And um, I thought the crowd was going to be a lot more unruly and bad because I heard bad things about LA crowds. But we were sitting we were sitting with the rich folks, so to speak, I think. So they weren't too unruly. But um, what a game. Double overtime. Uh, and Kobe Bryant showed me why he is... The second best player of all time. Second to Michael Jordan. Closest thing I think we've seen to Michael Jordan. He had, Kobe Bryant's one of those guys. He'll have eight points through three quarters. And then by the end of the game, you look up and he's got like 26, you know, six and seven or something. Some like, you know, just for, he just gets it done at the end of the game. Um, two guys in his face. He's just hitting, you know, Oklahoma City is winning by 16 going into the fourth. But I'll tell you who lost the game. All right. Uh. Westbrook, point guard, selfish, great player, but selfish. Doesn't know how to win. Every time Durant did something good at, at the clutch, you know, at, at clutch time, he had to try to do it. He was turning the ball over. It was really frustrating to see a team that clearly was better and clearly should have beat the Lakers. We were both rooting for the Lakers really hard. I was at the game with Bill Burr, and um, and we were hoping, praying. You know, Oklahoma City won. It was so nice when the Staples Center was just quiet and shut up. I loved it. I loved every minute of it, and then sh- and and you know it's funny. Bird leaned over and goes, "Man, they're gonna give this game away." And I'm like, "No way, dude! They're still up, you know, nine points with eight minutes left." And I, I just don't think they've been up by double digits the whole time. And sure enough, that white dude Blake started hitting shots, and then Kobe started going, and then it went to overtime, and then the crowd, and then it was just, but uh, what an unbelievable, probably one of the best live basketball, no, live sporting event experiences I've ever had. It was fucking awesome. Drinking a couple of beers, and then the, is there anything better than when you're at a game with a buddy, and you're like halfway through your second beer, and you guys both realize you're buzzed at a great game, having a great time, and you just—it's just fucking pure bliss. I was unbelievable. It was just—it was such a fun time, great game, and you know we had a blast. We went, we got something to eat afterwards, kept a couple of drinks going. Awesome, awesome time. I just wish. That this Westbrook dude would not have, uh, you know, thrown away the game. Now, um, speaking of basketball, I have to bring this up. I'm a little sick to my stomach. Okay, um, I first recorded this podcast when I was really tired and didn't want to do it half-assed before the Nick game. So I was going to talk about how I was excited to go to South Beach, and I thought that we needed to steal Game 1, and this was a way to punch them in the face in Game 1 to kind of shock and stun them and let them know, hey, you guys are in for a battle. 
But now that I'm doing this podcast on Saturday night, we all know that that wasn't the case. And that was the biggest fucking train wreck. That was literally one of the worst... That was literally one of the worst Nick games I've ever watched in my entire life. I couldn't even believe how bad they played in the second quarter. All the turnovers. I couldn't believe that they looked like the moment was too big for them. All the shitty calls. like Everything was just... It was just a fuck... It was like... I held my head and shook my head in disgust and shock. It was like watching your daughter's sex tape. <laughs> it was like if your daughter was in a porn and somebody just mailed it to you and you just can't even imagine. Like somebody just brings your dog in the backyard and just shoots it in front of you. You don't even know. You're just like, did that just, am I witnessing this? Is this, it was the worst thing ever. 30-something points, and you know there's no coming back from it. Nothing worse than watching your team out of it halfway through the game so you know there's another two-quarter. And here's the problem. I tried changing the channel, and there was nothing on, and I always, like, in the back of my head, like stupid sports fans do, you think, oh, this is going to be the one miraculous win that's going to be on their, like, team channels, like legendary games or historic games on MSG. So you think, like, there's going to be, like, nine threes in a row, and you're going to go on, like, just 20-something to nothing run. And every time you kept going, it was still in the 20s and 30s. Horrible game. Um, we lost composure, technical fouls. On top of it, to add insult to injury, uh, Iman Shumper, who's one of my favorite Knicks, rips his knee apart, falls down on the ground screaming in pain. That injury looked like he was done for. He, that, that injury looked so bad the way he was screaming. It's like, yeah, we'll see him in 2015. <laughs> you ever see a guy get so hurt, you're like, oh, this is it. I remember that one kid, Livingston, uh, that one kid Livingston, he was on, I think he's still in the league, but I think he was on the Clippers at the time. He was supposed to be this young, you know, fast prospect and he ripped his whole knee up and like he worked so hard to get back, but it was, and he's never the same player. I really hope to God and pray that that's not the case with Iman Shumpert, but it was not good. He had to be carried off. It was so bad that Miami Heat's trainer came out and helped. Um, so it was a tough loss. And as a Knicks fan, I'm so sick and tired of the only thing I will say is at least at least it was a massacre early because I am used to the Nick losses in the playoffs where like Ray Allen hits a last minute three and then back in the day you had Jordan and of course everybody knows a Reggie Miller. So I was glad that they kinda just like I said, they just kinda took you in the back and like whacked you early. They were kind of like, listen, let's just get you in the back, kill you real quick, and then you know you don't have to worry about it. It was kind of like that. But at the same time, to lose game one and give them fucking LeBron James. And LeBron James, by the way, what a flopper this guy is. Like he flopped and then realized it really hurt and went down. I didn't like that. And don't get me wrong, the guy could score at will. The guy's unbelievable. But there's just something, I don't know, there's just something about him. I just He's, he's one of those guys that I don't think he's a bad guy, but I don't think he's that likable either. Uh, for me, you know, he doesn't have that, I don't know, but uh, not good. So now you got to hope a game two, and it's just going to be a fucking mess. Oh, the Nick game was horrible today. It was one of the worst things I've ever witnessed. And, I, and you know what sucks? I picked Oklahoma City to beat the Heat in the finals this year. So it sucks to kind of know that, like, in, in your heart of hearts that the Knicks aren't going to do it. But you really want them to when you think they do have the talent to do it. And I, th- I thought that they could make noise, but I guess not. Um, and by the way, I loved what Magic Johnson said about uh, Ron Artest. When he's like, this guy, I just feel bad for this guy. This guy can't keep... 
He has, I said, he has the same brain as Mike Tyson. That's what I was going to say before. He's got the same brain as Mike Tyson where if they're sitting on a couch and they're just calm and you give them like a coloring book or shapes to play with, they're fine. They're like kind of like a toddler who's distracted. But as soon as something big happens, <laughs> like something emotional, they just, they either bite your ear off, elbow you. Like those are people that shouldn't own guns and be like have a carrier's permit or you're just going to find out that like they snap in a like in a jack in the box because of somebody said something about them when they were getting a fucking cheeseburger. They're just loose cannons, time bombs waiting to go off. Um, but Magic was just like, you know, and Magic Johnson was a reason why he plays for the Lakers and was like this guy is just fucking lost. Um, yeah, he's nuts. I mean, come on, this guy went in to the stands in Detroit and just started beating up civilians, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Um, okay, so that was it for the um, the Laker game and um, movies. Speaking, I, I want to get into this because out in California, they got billboards for all these movies, all everything going on. How many Johnny Depp movies with Tim Burton are going to have Johnny Depp in white face paint with a dark, dark lipstick and, you know... That stupid hairdo and the, the the eye, whatever, the mascara. Like, can Johnny Depp stop doing these face, weird face paint? Like, I get it. Tim Burton likes to work with him. I want to see Johnny Depp in another movie. All these, I mean, I know he does them occasionally, but it's always like, it always goes back to these weird freaky, like from Edward Scissorhands. Like, that, my memory of Johnny Depp is like crazy hair, crazy accent, or face paint. I know he did Pirates of the Caribbean, but fuck you, you know what I'm talking about. Here's another one. Here's another original one. Samuel L. Jackson in a trench coat and an eye patch. Or some kind of leather jacket with that badass look. And here's what Samuel L. Jackson does. He does that stand where he's kind of standing there with his head down. And then he does that tough guy turn around to the right. And then you see the eye patch and he's got that typical Samuel L. Jackson face. I'm tired of it. Here's another original one from Hollywood. You guys ready? I'll keep going. Jason Statham. Taking some girl somewhere or protecting a girl. Yeah, that hasn't been done. No, th- th- that's, uh, that. wow, I've never heard of that before. It's the same shit. It's the same movies. You know, I just don't understand why Hollywood can't. Remember great movies like Usual Suspects? That was the shit true romance. The movie Heat. Just, you know, cool characters. You know, guns or, or, or violence or a real story or something. I'll even take a good... You know, how about Johnny Depp as a killer in a movie? That'd be a good one. That'd be a really good one. Johnny Depp as a killer in a movie, like a serial killer, nuts, something. That would be awesome. I'd watch that. You know, how about Jason Statham not kicking ass? Can he do anything else in that? Can Samuel Jackson play a therapist who wears a sweater and doesn't scream motherfucker in a movie? (laughs) That's funny. That's funny right there, people. You know, it's it's the same fucking thing always. Um, so uh, did I see any? No, I haven't gone to the theater. I'm going to see, um, you know, it's funny. I'm probably going to end up seeing the Jason Statham movie and going and seeing it, uh, you know, the little Asian girl who could remember everything. I'm not saying that's a bad story. But how about the bad guy in that movie being Johnny Depp? You know, I just want to see something a little different. I cannot see... A Johnny Depp movie anymore. When I don't even watch those movies anyway, but I just Tim Burton 
wants to fucking have sex with Johnny Depp while Johnny Depp is in a weird costume. I'm convinced of it. Like, there's got to be a weird... He just must look through the camera and see that and have to... Like, why would you have the same thing all the time? Jesus. And Johnny Depp is a good actor. Johnny Depp is a good actor. Johnny Depp can play anything, I think. I really think he's up there. But you're always seeing him doing these weird fucking things. All right. But I love Johnny Depp and, uh, you know, I hope... I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. I doubt he does. Uh, (laughs) All right. What else? What else do we have to talk about here? Um, Oh, thank you. Thank you to everybody who listened to me and had nice things and nice uh, compliments about uh, me as a guest on Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast. For you guys that don't know, Bill Burr does a Monday Morning Podcast. Uh, It's one of the top podcasts in the country. It really is. It is like just an unbelievable... um, you know, unbelievable podcast, you know, it has, you know, tons and tons of listeners, and um, Bill was, was, you know, kind enough to ask me to be a guest on the show, we had a great time, we were shooting the shit about sports, we were shooting the shit about, you know, religion, and he had some of his listeners uh, have questions, and we answered that, and we were talking about, you know, certain crimes, and all kinds of stuff, and it was just a really good time, and um, a ton of people gave great feedback, so thank you so much, Uh, you guys could check it out, Bill does his podcast on Mondays. I do mine on Thursdays, you know, when everything's on schedule. So you get two good podcasts in the same week. What more uh, What more could you want with your radio, guys? You put it in your iPhone and you listen to uh, two comedians talking, talking shit, trying to make you guys laugh. And uh, there you go. And you could look up uh, other other people's uh, podcasts too, because people do them different days of the week. But you got to make sure number one, you check out the Verzi Effect podcast. Please spread the word. But no, we had a really good time with it, and uh, I appreciate it. So shout out to Bill Burr for putting me on his podcast, and everybody who had nice things to say about it. I I really enjoyed myself, and it was cool to when you do a podcast with a friend, you almost forget you're you're doing a radio show. You're just sitting there and just. We were doing some really funny stuff, so check it out. We were doing like unacceptable faces in sports. You know, guys' faces you just can't stand. Like I had Jonathan Papelbon. He had Pal Gasol. Just you look at their face and you don't even want to watch. You know, Jonathan Papelbon's got that stupid stare. That's one of the worst things, that staring where he puckers his lips up and he kind of stares into the catcher with that intense look like he's about to go into war. Meanwhile, he's throwing a ball while he's wearing tight pants. It's like, can you really look that intense when you're doing that? Just pitch the ball, asshole, so everybody could drink their beer and go home. Um, but we had fun with that. We were just talking. We did a little. We were talking about uh, Ron Artest and you know all the stuff that that went on. Um, you know that that went on in sports that week and, and and a ton of other stuff besides sports. So check that out. Um, Jesus, can I keep plugging it harder? Yeah. So go check me out at the billboard. <laughs> um, and uh, that's it. What I got some I got some plugs that I wanted to do, and I got some big news. Uh, Monday, people, and uh, you guys all know about it, I think, but, you know, with all of the um, great things that have really been humbling to me and uh, amazing um, in my career and uh, having the opportunity to follow my to follow my dreams and, and all kinds of all that, you know, all that, cli- you know, cliche shit and stuff, but um, the most important thing, as I've always said, uh, is, is family and and uh, I really believe that I believe you know you got to have to do anything great you got to have great people around you and um, this Monday morning early um, my daughter is going to be born and I'm completely 
shocked. You know, I'm overwhelmed. I, I don't know if I feel worthy. Um, but we're doing really good with our son. And uh, I think that this is going to be awesome. I'm, my wife is ready. She's uh, she's more than ready, man. She's I couldn't imagine what it's like for her sleeping like that with the huge stomach and 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 she looks amazing she actually with this pregnancy it's weird there's no she didn't lose any like she didn't gain any weight other than just her stomach but she's you know i get pissed off if the room's like two degrees too hot to sleep i couldn't imagine what it's like with like a basketball attached to you and you can't roll around and something is in there kicking and punching and uh, my daughter is like i never have to feel my wife's stomach because you just see it's like head and feet and arms coming out. Like she's like boxing her way out of there. And uh, we're, we're really ready and excited. It's going to be Monday morning. My son is excited. And, it, you know, it's the most important thing. And it puts everything else into perspective. So I'm looking forward to that. And and I will uh, obviously report, you know, all I care about is that she comes out healthy. Hopefully she will knock on wood. And uh, we go from there. But now I'm going to have the boy. I'm going to have the girl. And I don't know. It's it's pretty amazing to to and it goes quick. My son's gonna be three at the end of May. Um, I'm just really happy, man. I'm happy. I'm blessed with how things are going. And like I said, no matter what's going on with with my my career or anything, the most important thing is family. And I'm really looking forward to this addition. I can't even believe I'm gonna be looking at a baby girl and know that I'm responsible for her, or one of the people that are the most important <laughs> most important people in my in, in this little girl's life is gonna be me. That's kind of fucking scary and nuts at the same time. But uh, I will report that. So that's going to be exciting to uh, talk about on the next podcast. And I want to plug some shows here that I have coming up. Um, Due to my daughter coming, I will not be performing pretty much. I might run into the city and do maybe one or two spots late at night just to kind of stay fresh. But as of right now, the only thing that I have booked, I will be at Wise Guys Comedy Club. Uh, Wise Guys Comedy Club in Syracuse, New York on um, May 10th through the 13th. Okay, so that is, um, what date is that? May 10th through the 13th is a Thursday through Sunday. Okay, and then after that is the big show that I'm doing over at Levity Live uh, at the Palisades Mall in West Nyack, New York. Truly one of the most beautiful clubs. Come out to that if you're in the New York area. Uh, we're also going to be shooting stuff for the documentary there. Um, you know, Thomas Lewis will be, will be there shooting some stuff. And uh, that guy's great. He he's, he's adds gold to this uh, project. So come out. Um, you know, if you're in the crowd, you'll, you'll definitely be uh, a crowd that was... Uh, you know, laughing in a documentary movie because we're going to be shooting some footage and, and some material there. But it's a, it's a great room. It's a phenomenal comedy club. The food is amazing. And uh, you really can't believe you're in the fucking Palisades Mall when you're in there. Come out to that. That's a Thursday night. What else do you got to do? The next day is Friday, so you'll be in a good mood. You watch some, you know, comedy. You enjoy yourself. May 17th, bring a date. Be there. Don't be a dick. Come out to that show. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I wanted to share something, you know, I guess, uh, I guess the end of this will be, you know, a little sentimental just because, uh, I don't know, I guess cause I'm having a daughter. All right. Fuck you. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to read you guys something that somebody wrote me, which was really amazing. And I, I think that it was, um, worth 
worth listening to. How about that? I'll say because it was uh, made me feel really good, and it made me feel great that a that a a listener would uh, would write this, or or a comedy fan of mine would actually write this. So I'm going to read you guys something. I'm not going to mention the person's name because I don't want to do that. I just want you guys to uh, to hear something, and it made me feel really good. And um, if this thing ever opens up, I will be able to do that. And if it doesn't, I will uh, not be doing that. So let's see here. Is it going to open? Um, I do a joke about my OCD and my crazy thoughts and all kinds of shit like that. And somebody saw me do it live. I was opening up for for Bill Burr at the Terrytown Music Hall. And they also heard me on the podcast, and they just wanted to to write me. And, um, you know, this is what I'll do. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm basically going to, I'll tell you what happened. And and it was, it was everything that a comedian could ever really want to hear when, when they do comedy. If you could touch an audience member like this, basically somebody was talking about, they didn't know if I was joking or not when I talk about my OCD or my crazy thoughts, um, I can't find it here. I can't open it up on the computer so I can just tell you, which will be uh, just as good. I talk about fucked up thoughts that I have on stage. I've talked about it on the podcast, you know, urges, fucked up things, whether they're violent, whether they're sexual, whether they're just so unrealistic and nuts, just crazy shit that will pop in your mind and you need to really, you know, it's an epidemic and, and people don't understand because when they hear OCD, they think it's just the other shit, germs and all that. So, but it can be paralyzing. It really can. It can it can make you sit there and question why would you have a thought like that and are you fucked up and weird and and it could be really really troublesome to your life. And somebody wrote me and basically said, you know, I didn't know if you were joking. You know, I I saw you uh talk about it on stage, but then when I heard you talk about it in a podcast, you know, it was amazing to me to hear a comedian talk like that. And like, you made me feel so much better about my problems and nobody understands what we go through. And, and thank you so much for the, you know, for just talking about it and, you know, making it, you, you make it that much better. And, and you make it, make me realize that other people have it. And I could go on and to hear a comedian kind of make fun of it, you know, was, was so, so helpful to me. And, and, you know, because I've been going through all this hurtful shit with it, so thank you. And I got to be honest, it was um, one of the best things that I've, I've ever felt because if you can perform on stage and try to make people laugh and they tell you that because they're going through something hard and, and what they did was they, it, it is a hard thing they're going through and it sucks. But what they did, instead of sit home and stew in their anger or their misery or their depression, they actually went to a comedy club to see if they could get away from it. And then they were able to hear a comedian have the same problem and joke about it. And it made the experience that much better and that much cooler. And um, as a performer, that's all you want to hear. So, man, that, like if, they, if you only touch one person, you know, if everybody else thinks my material, like I'm fucking crazy and all that stuff, that's fine. But like one person feels better about themselves and their life because of it. And that's the beauty of comedy, man. That's what, that's why we do this, you know, cause yeah, we're up there saying crazy shit and honest shit and stuff that touches everybody, of course. But when you could fucking make somebody feel better and happier in their life, fuck man, that's one of the coolest things ever. So, so thank you. I hope the person who wrote me that is listening to this and knows uh, that I'm talking about them. Um, and, and all the other people that have, you know, said things like that cause they have, but this one really was different and this one hit home cause this one found, this one made me feel like I really actually helped somebody through something that they were going through that was really severe and hurtful to them. 
So um, I'm really glad that I was able to to do that. So uh, thank you for sharing that with me, and um, thank you to everybody who listened to uh, to this episode. I hope you guys like the stories about California. I hope you uh, hope you weren't bored through the sports stuff, and I hope I got you through a little bit of your day. Whether you're fucking, I don't know what you're doing right now. You could be jogging. You could be, uh, you know, I hope you're not jerking off. That'd be weird. Um, but you could be doing anything. You could be at work. You could be fucking around. You could be sitting in your car. Whatever you're doing. Hope you enjoyed the Verzi Effect podcast. Check me out on Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast. His next one will be up on Monday. My next one will be up on Thursday. The next time I do this podcast, I will have a daughter, which is insane to say again. But that's the reality, everyone. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh through another chapter in my life. Uh, Thank you all. Thank you for listening. I will be back next week um, for episode 61. Spread this around. Download it. Leave your comments and all that shit. And um, hopefully the next time I talk, not only will I have a daughter, but I will have a daughter and the Knicks will have a win in the series against the Heat, Um, especially after that ass beating that they took today. So until then, everybody, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you all soon. I am 